0: If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis by using the Zelle app to send a box13 at greatdetectives.net. And you can become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it is time for this week's episode of Dangerous Assignment. The original air date, April 7th, 1951. And the title is File 72.
1: Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell.
2: I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though. Trouble. But when I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize this assignment's gonna end up with my saving a guy's life by punching him right in the face. Morning, Commissioner. Ruth said you wanted to see me. I do, Steve. What's the deal this time? The Ketnik talks. He does? No, it is... Hey, what is this, the borderville routine? Yeah, you'll run first. How am I doing? Well... I look, you better start from the beginning,
3: Steve, huh? Steve, tomorrow representatives of two Balkan countries are to meet in the border town of Ketnik. Huh? And don't start oh. that again. To engage in some informal but highly important talks. To see if they can't iron out some of the difficulties that exist between them.
2: Sounds like a good idea, Commissioner. Maybe more countries should do a thing like that, huh?
3: Ordinarily, it would be a good idea, Steve. But there are two factors present in the situation that give the whole thing a slight aroma. Aro- what do you mean? In the first place, one of these countries, let's call it Country A, is controlled by interests which have a long-standing reputation for not wanting to smooth things out. I see. Not only that, according to our information, may have their
2: eyes on Country B and would like some excuse to move in. Well, granted that these Ketnik peace talks don't smell so sweet under those circumstances, what business is this of ours? Ordinarily, it wouldn't be. But General Traska, the representative from Country A has contacted us
3: undercover and wants to talk to one of our agents. You've been elected. What does he want to talk about? We don't know, except that whatever it is, he insists on complete secrecy.
2: I don't like it, Commissioner. It could be some sort of a trick.
3: I don't like it either, Steve, but we've got to go along with it and find out what General Traska has on his mind. Why? Because he's offering us bait we can't refuse, the return of file 72 with a seal unbroken. What? That's right. As you know, file 72 is a plan of our troop dispositions in
2: Europe. It was stolen from this country two weeks ago. But how did General Traska get his hands on it? Who knows? And at
3: this point, who cares? It's vital that we get that file back, Steve. Okay, how do I go about it? Well, here's the schedule. General Trasker is flying his own plane across the border to Ketnik sometime tomorrow night. The next day, he's holding a press conference. You're going to attend the general's press conference, posing as a foreign correspondent. When you ask the general a certain question, that will identify you to him. Sounds like quite a lot of hocus pocus. The general insists on absolute secrecy. And as I said before, we'll have to go along with him for the time being. Now, Steve, get over to Ketnik and find out what's on General Trasker's mind. And most important, bring File 72 back with you. Well, I said, you've got your assignment. Good luck.
1: National Broadcasting Company is presenting transcribed Dangerous Assignments, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful, two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you will find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment.
2: Sure, I've got my assignment. Just a simple matter of dropping in on a trouble spot in the Balkans and arranging a secret talk with an unfriendly general right under the noses of several assorted diplomats, cops, and correspondents. A real cinch. It's Tuesday when my plane gets to Ketnik and I head for Joseph's tobacco shop.
4: Good morning, sir. Morning. You Joseph? Yes. You would perhaps like to look at some of my choice pipe tobacco? Yes, I would. If you've got any set aside for Steve Mitchell. Steve Mitchell. (laughs) Hey. You know, sir, it's a strange thing about names. Huh? Well, look at all these cans of tobacco on my shelves. Hmm? Each one has a name. Probably selected at random and put on them. You're asking what's in the name, huh? I am simply suggesting that they mean very little. A name is for anyone who cares to use. Oh? Well, these credentials aren't... Uh, I see. You understand, of course, that A man in my position cannot afford to take chances. Yeah. Okay, what's the deal, Joseph? General Tresca will hold the press conference in his hotel room in one hour. He will be smoking a pipe. At the end of the conference, you will ask him what kind of tobacco he's smoking. Tobacco? Yes, You will add that it smells good. He will reply that it is his own private mixture and that he will give you a sample. Okay, I've got it. Then he will arrange a private interview with you. If you wish to transmit a report of that interview to your commissioner, bring it to me and I will take care of it for you. Okay. Thanks, Joseph. I'll check with you later.
2: Good morning. Hi. Is this General Trasker's room? Yes, the general is inside. Thanks. One moment, please. What's the matter? Why do you wish to see the general? What's it to you? I assure you it is a great deal to me. You will please answer my question. Look, before I start answering questions, I'd like to know who's asking them. I am Captain Riki of the military. Oh, I see. Most members of the military wear uniforms. On certain occasions, it is better not to. Now you will please tell me why you wish to see General Truska. He's holding a press conference, and I'm a newspaper correspondent. Your credentials, please. Here you are, Captain. So... Steve Mitchell, Trans-Ocean News Service. Well, they appear to be genuine. Appear to be? Brother, you're really a cautious guy, aren't you? In the present situation, caution is essential, Mr. Mitchell. Just what is the present situation, Captain? One of extreme tension between my country and the country represented by General Truska. I have been selected as the general's bodyguard while he is a guest of this country. I see. Well, if you'll quit bodyguarding that door, I'd like to get in on that press conference. Of course. I'll probably be seeing you. You may count on that, Mr. Mitchell. As long as this conference is in session, you will be seeing me frequently.
5: And so, in conclusion,
3: gentlemen of the press, I would like to say simply that I came to this country as a
2: representative of my government in peace. We seek nothing more than a friendly understanding that would pave the way toward a lasting brotherhood between our two countries. Are there any more questions? Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, General Trasker. Yes. I wonder if you'd mind telling me what kind of tobacco you're smoking. It smells good. Uh, Not at all, sir. Not at all. Happens to be my own private mixture. But I would be glad to give you a sample of it. Thanks a lot, General. It's just no trouble. No trouble at all. General Trask ushers the other correspondents out the door. I start to hang back, but he gives me a slight shake of the head. Then I see why. Captain Ricky out in the hall is counting noses as the reporters leave, so I go down into the lobby and wait. Five minutes later, the general comes down and goes over to one of the house phones. I follow him. He picks up the receiver but holds the hook down with his finger. I do likewise to the phone next to him. Keep your back turned to me, Mitchell. Okay. You got file 72, General? Yes, is the seal still unbroken? Yes. Okay, what's on your mind? You and your country are businessmen, Mitchell. I'm certain you will approve of my little plan. That all depends on what your little plan is, General. Let us say that your country is not in sympathy with the form of government which now exists in my country across the border from here. Uh, I guess you can safely say that, all right. So what? So perhaps the form of government in my country could be changed. Yeah? Who's going to change it? I am. You? You? Let's have that again. My plans have been completed for weeks. I have key men in certain spots, and I will have a major part of the army behind me. You know, a thing like your planning could get pretty bloody. The end justifies the means. Oh? Just what kind of government are you planning to install in your country? I and my followers are tired of these bungling, mediocre bureaucrats who have been running our country. What we need is a strong leader, one who will rule with an iron hand. I am that leader. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it seems to me I've heard this tune before a few times. You think your brand of government would give your citizens any more liberty than what they've got now? I am not here to discuss philosophies of government with you, but to make to you a business proposition. The return of File 72 in return for our support, huh? Precisely. Look, General, you ought to know my government better than that. You ought to know they don't go in for supporting... Mitchell, may I remind you once more that this is a business transaction... There is little room in the world today for ethics. One must be practical. Rest assured whether I give you your file of 72 or not depends on your answer to my proposition. I see. Well, uh, look, General, I don't have any power to give you an answer on a thing like that. I'd have to check with my boss. I cannot give you much time, Mitchell. How much? 12 hours. No more. Okay. I'll see what I can do. 12 hours, Mitchell. (laughs) Casper hangs up his phone and heads back upstairs. I know I've got to get word to the commissioner, so I go back to Joseph's tobacco shop. There's no one in the front of the shop, so I head for the back room. Dark in the room. Suddenly I hear a sound. Something creaking. I hit the light switch. Then I spot Joseph, and I know that he's just gone out of business. You can't sell much tobacco when you're dangling from the end of a rope.
1: Be
3: calling me direct, Steve. Is anything wrong?
2: Yeah. The man who was going to carry the message suddenly went out of business. I
3: see. Did you contact the party?
2: Yeah. Let's put it this way. He wants to take over the corporation he works for and he wants our help. I
3: understand. You know, of course, that it's against the policy and ethics of our corporation
2: to support a transaction like that. That's what I told him. But unless we do, he says he won't turn over that little item to us. I told him I'd transmit his proposition to you. I already knew what the answer would be, but I had to stall for time. Yeah,
3: this is bad, Steve. You've got the pressure
2: on us. Yeah, if I could only... Hey, wait a minute. You know, Commissioner, pressure can sometimes be reversed. What do you mean? Well, it just occurred to me the officials of the corporation he works for wouldn't like his plan much if they were to find out about him. I might use that as a sort of a lever on him.
3: That's a good hunch. Go to work on it. I.
2: Hello? 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 The phone's dead. It's obviously been cut. I ease over to the window, and there are loose wires dangling. Then I hear someone at the front door, so I slip out the back door and head for General Traska's hotel. It looks like somebody's onto the general. That means I've got to move fast. Just as I'm entering the lobby, there's a commotion on the street outside. A few cops are wrestling with a guy, and I think I spot Captain Riki among them. I go on up to the general's room, but he doesn't answer my knock. The door is unlocked, so I go on in. There's a figure sitting in a chair. I think it's the general, but I can't be sure because he looks like he's been worked over with a crowbar, and he's very dead. I give the room a fast frisk, but file 72 is nowhere in sight. I run down to the lobby and over to the phone, but... Just as I pick up the receiver, somebody slides their thumb over the hook. Who are you calling? Get your thumb up. Oh, Captain Rickey. Captain Rickey, who are you calling? As a matter of fact, you. Oh? Why? Oh, no reason in particular. Just a little matter of General Traska being murdered. What? Yep, I thought you might be interested. Being his bodyguard, pretty careless of you or maybe... Was it a little more than just carelessness? Mr. Mitchell, I warn you, I have too much on my mind right now to have any patience with the morbid inventions of a cheap journalist. Oh, so I'm just imagining the whole thing, huh? Well, if you'd be kind enough to step upstairs, I'd be glad to show you my morbid invention, sitting in a chair with his head bashed in. Very well. For the moment, I will indulge your imagination. Come, we will visit the General's room. Here we are. Yep, here we are, Ricky. Now we'll see whether I'm imagining things or not. There he is, sitting right... Hey, he's gone. But of course. What do you mean, but of course? I tell you, I saw him sitting in that chair dead, not five minutes ago. I think you have carried your little game far enough, Mitchell. Look, it's no game, I tell you. And now I tell you. Fifteen minutes ago, General Traska left this hotel and he was very much
3: alive. Why? I personally saw him into his car and sent two of my men with now, him. Look. So obviously he could not have been murdered in this room when he is alive somewhere else. Just a minute. Captain. In other words, Mitchell, this entire thing was only a figment of your imagination. Oh.
1: Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Whether it's comedy, music, or drama you're after, you'll find it on The Big Show tomorrow. The dynamic Tallulah is your hostess, and her guests include Fred Allen, Jimmy Durante, Vivian Blaine, Jane Morgan, and Rudy Valley. You're invited every Sunday to The Big Show. And tomorrow also means a one-hour adaptation of F. Scott Fitzgerald's exciting novel, This Side of Paradise, presented by Theatre Guild on the Air and starring Richard Widmark and Nina Foch. listening to Dangerous Assignments, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell.
2: Well, right now it looks like I've got no friends at all in this deal. Captain Ricky lied about General Trasker. Why? Maybe the boys in Trasker's country found out the general was trying to double-cross him and killed him. Ricky could be in league with them, and he might even be the boy who knocked off Trasker. At any rate, I know I can't tell Ricky who I am and why I'm here now. I go down to the lobby and check with the desk clerk. He says he saw General Traska leave the hotel 20 minutes ago. So he's lying, too. Great. I head for the bar to think things over, and then I hear a little gent telling the bartender about a big street fiesta going on down the block and about the general making a speech there. I collar the guy, and he swears he really saw General Traska there just five minutes ago. So I go down the street. It's a big deal with music, and dancing, General Hoop-de-doo. I stopped a couple of dancers and asked him if the General was really there.
4: Yeah, yeah, the General, he made a big speech to us. He left just a minute ago. Yeah, we all saw him. Yeah, thanks.
2: Oh,
5: thanks.
4: Thanks a lot. Mr. Mitchell. Huh? Who are you? I am Anton, the porter at the hotel. I,
2: I have information for you. What about General Trasca. Look, if you're going to tell me you saw General Traska a few minutes ago, save it. But I... Either hey, this whole town is against me, or else I really did imagine things. At this point, I'm beginning to wonder... I
4: assure you, Mr. Mitchell, you are not imagining things. What? I did see General Traska leave the hotel, but he was being carried out by the police, and he was quite dead. Well,
2: so I have got one friend after all, or have I? W- what do you mean? Why are you telling me this, Anton?
4: Well, uh, you see, sir, a a porter at the hotel makes very little money and... I get it. (laughs) Okay, you just got yourself a ten buck raise. Here. Thank you, Mr. Mitchell. Well, what else can you tell me? Only that shortly before they took the general's body from the hotel, they arrested the man and took him to jail.
2: Yeah, I remember now. As I entered the hotel, I saw Ricky's boys wrestling with a guy out front. Okay, thanks, Anna. I'll see what I can find out at that jail. What do you wish? You in charge here, Sergeant? Yes, why? I understand you arrested a man near the hotel earlier this evening. I know nothing of Sergeant my way. Now, look. As
3: you see, there is no such entry here in the records.
2: Well, that doesn't surprise me, but do you mind if I take a look back there in the cell block? No one can go in there without a pass. Hey, Uh, Who issues the passes? Captain Ricky. Oh, great. Will there be anything else? I guess not. Hey, what's all that noise? Sounds like it's coming from one of the cells. (laughs) The desk sergeant whirls around and heads for the back of the joint. I'm right after him, then. We see what causes all the noise. Two guards in one of the cells are cutting down a guy who just tried to hang himself. Then I recognize the guy. He's the same one Ricky and his boys arrested outside the hotel at the time of General Trasker's murder. At this point, the sergeant remembers me, politely but firmly ushers me out of the jail. I start walking down the street, and all of a sudden, I've got company. If you don't mind, I will walk with you away, Mitchell. Well, Captain Ricky? that was an interesting little sight I just witnessed in your jail. Interesting sight? I am afraid I do not understand. No, no, of course not. I... I mean the gent who just tried to hang himself. Oh, that's just a harmless drunk. We had him taken to the prison hospital. Just a harmless drunk, huh? Funny. I'd swear it was the same guy you arrested outside General Traska's hotel right after he was murdered. Excuse me, I mean right after I saw a figment of my imagination sitting in a chair, dead. For your information, Mitchell, I
3: understand that General Traska has suddenly decided to fly back to his own country. Oh? Which brings me to the point. What's that? You are a reporter. And a reporter without
2: news is of no use to anyone. So? So there is no longer any news here in Ketnik. Maybe I suddenly like it here. The conference has been canceled. The general is leaving. I should think there would be other places where you could find much more news to write about. Okay, I got the message. And if I don't get out of town? It would be unfortunate if you had to write a story about an accident, Mitchell. My own, of course. The next train leaves in one hour, Mitchell. I sincerely hope I will not see you here in Ketnik. After that. So, now I've got just one hour to find File 72. That means I've got to find out what they did with General Traska's body. Then I think of Anton, the little hotel porter. Maybe I can get some information out of him. I get his address from the desk clerk and go over.
4: Yes, what? Mr. Mitchell... Uh, Well, what are you doing here at this hour?
2: I want to talk to you, Anton. But but, but this late. Look, are you still interested in increasing your salary?
4: Uh, but of course. Here's
2: another 10.
4: Uh, What do you wish to know?
2: You say you saw the police take General Traska's body out of the hotel.
4: Yes, also his clothing and briefcase. Do you have any idea where they took them? Why, you no, know, no, none at all. Anton, you <gasps> he must help me. <gasps> Tovich, you fool. Hey, this is the guy who tried to hang himself in jail. Tovich, I could kill you for your stupidity. You must protect me, Anton. I pretended to attempt a suicide knowing he would take me to the hospital. I escaped from there, but now the police are turning the city upside down to find me. Hey, what's your all up about? This man is a newspaper correspondent. I don't care what he is. You must protect me. It was on your orders I killed the general. Tovich! You had me brought across the border when we learned that the general was going to betray us. You said you would protect me, but now I see you never intended to. No, i did not. No! Ah! And you next, Mitchell, variant?
2: Hey, right where you are, Mitchell. Drop that gun. Well, Captain Ricky. I said drop it. Okay. I sort of expected to see you around here along about now.
3: And I am not surprised to see you here.
2: You had Tovich kill General Traska. Now, he has outlived his usefulness, so you kill him. Look, (laughs) that's a pretty neat attempt to cover up, but it won't work, Ricky. Anton there on the floor killed Tovich, and he was about to do likewise to me when I jumped him.
3: It does not matter who killed Tovich. Your plan to create an incident over the killing
2: of the general will not work. I have kept his murder a secret so far, and it will remain a secret. Incident? Look, I don't follow you. It is obvious. Your interests learned that General Traska was trying to betray you. You have also been looking for
3: an excuse to start trouble with my country. Here was a golden opportunity to accomplish both things
2: at once. You had Traska killed here in my country, then sought to make it public, hoping this would create an incident which might provoke war. So that's why you've been keeping the murder a secret. I guess that's one for the book. You've been thinking I was working with those interests, and I've been thinking the same thing about you. It is more than a thought about you. It is a fact. I think it's about time we laid a few cards on the table, Ricky. Or should I say credentials? Here, take a look. It will
3: do you no good to
2: sh- Wait. Yeah, that's what I mean. United States government. That's right. When you started lying about Traska's murder, I thought you were working with the killers. That's why I didn't show you those credentials before. I, uh, I, I owe you an apology, Mr. Mitchell. That's I... okay. And I must say you did a good job of briefing your citizens about covering up the killing. I was beginning to think that I really was crazy until I met Anton. Now I see why he wanted me to know Traska really was dead. He figured I was a reporter and would make headlines out of it. I still do not understand your interest in this matter. It's very simple. General Traska had in his possession a document stolen from my country, file 72. I've got to get it back. I guess now that'll be pretty simple. You've probably got Traska's body hidden somewhere. You just take me there. I'll go through his papers and find the thing, and then my job is done. I, uh, I'm afraid it's not that easy, Mitchell. What do you mean? I told you earlier in the evening that General Truska had suddenly decided to fly back to his own country. Now, don't start that again. Well, Traska is dead. Yes, yes, I know. But we are going to make it look like that murder was an accident and that it took place in Truska's own country. How? At this
3: moment, one of our pilots is taking off in Truska's plane with Truska's body. Just before he crosses
2: the river which marks the border, he will make a low-altitude parachute jump. Truska's plane will crash into some low hills on the other side of the border. But what about that document I'm after? I placed Truska's briefcase in his plane myself, untouched. I wanted all his papers to be in order. Oh, great. That means... Wait, maybe I'm in the clear after all. The plane crashes, bursts into flame, and the document is destroyed. No, no, the, the pilot will cut the switch before he jumps. Hmm? We want Truska's body to be in good enough condition so that positive identification can be made. Mm. Then I'm heading for the wreckage of that plane. Mi- Mitchell, are you crazy? Are you insane? It will mean crossing the border and trying to escape detection by their patrols. Don't worry. I know exactly what it means. Then you must not. I also know I was sent over here to get file 72 and I'm going to get it. But, Mitchell... Where will I find that wreckage? You, you, you cannot make it alone. Then I'll find out. Are you determined to go? What do you think? I think I had better go with you. Come. So we pile into Ricky's Jeep and head for the river, which marks the border. The airport is back about 15 miles, so it looks like it's going to be a dead heat. And it is. Just as we pull up at the river, we hear a plane overhead, the engine is cut, and we see a parachute billowing out. The plane goes into a glide, heading straight for the hills across the river. It crashed, Mitchell. Yeah. Hey, how deep is this river? We will have to swim it. This area of the border is not heavily guarded. It will take their patrols about 15 minutes to get to the scene of the plane crash. 15 minutes. It will take us 10 of them to get across the river. Okay, come on. Start swimming, well, brother. There is the wreckage of the plane on the rise ahead of us, Mitchell. Yeah, no one in sight either. Good. We must work fast. I'm certain they heard the sound of the crash and we'll send a patrol. Here we are. Hmm. The fuselage is still pretty much in one piece. Here, help me pry this door off. All, all right. Uh, yeah. uh, there's the general's body, all right. Where'd you put his briefcase? Uh, behind the seat. Okay. Brother, this plane is really torn apart. You got a flashlight, Ricky? Yes. Bring it in here. I can't see a thing. Very well. Watch it. There's a lot of jagged metal around. Yes, yes, I, I see it. Okay. Flash your light around that. Wait a minute. There's the briefcase. Hurry up, Mitchell. Hold the light steady. There. Do you see it? Not yet, but it's going to be in here with those papers someplace. Wait a minute. There it is. Okay, now let's get out of here. Mitchell. What is it? I hear voices. What? Wait a minute. I'll take a look out of one of the holes in the side of the plane. Oh, brother. Who is it? Two soldiers, and they're heading this way. Mitchell, if they discover us here, the whole plane will be ruined. We'll also be slightly dead. Let's get out of the plane. Too late. They're too close. They'd see us. But what will we get do? Get back towards the tail. Let's get down. Get down. Keep quiet. They'll see us. Quiet. Well,
3: this looks like one of our planes, Dimitri. Shine your light in the window and we will see who. This is General Traska. General Traska. Stay on guard here, Dimitri. I will report this at once. Yes, sir. Okay. Mitchell, we are done for now. We cannot escape with the soldiers standing guard near the plane. Sooner or later, they will discover us. Yeah. Looks like we're cooked unless... Wait a minute. <laughs> what is it? Oh! Mitchell, you fool! Why did you hit me? Lieutenant! Lieutenant! see he heard us. What is it? To Quiet. You? The general is still alive. What? I just let him growling.
4: Good, him. Help me get him out. You must get him to a doctor at once. Yes. There. Yes. Yes. Now, help me carry him. Hurry.
2: Well, I must admit... You are a resourceful man, Mitchell. Looks like the coast is clear. Okay, we'll slip out the other side of the plane and head back to the river. Mitchell, one thing bothers me. What is it? Why didn't you just groan yourself instead of hitting me? I wanted to make it sound convincing. Hmm. I am not convinced. Ah, you're a skeptic. One moment. What is it now? Just this. (laughs) Hey, what's the big... Now I am convinced. I do grow much better than you. All right, come on. Let's get out of here, you. <laughs>
1: Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, with Herb Butterfield as the commissioner, is written by Bob Reif and Adrian Jondo, with music by Robert Armbruster, and is transcribed, produced, and directed by Bill Karn. Others in today's cast were Tony Barrett, Paul Duboff, Raymond Burr, and Don Diamond. Be with us again next week at this same time when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another Dangerous Assignment. Dangerous Assignment Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Tomorrow there's fun for you with two delightful families, Mr. and Mrs. Blandings and the Phil Harris Alice Fay Show. Now here's a reminder. Don't forget to support your Red Cross and give as much as you can. When you give to the Red Cross, your gift is a lift to our fighting men. Now hear Herbert Marshall as The Man Called X on NBC.
0: Welcome back! I have to say that I really appreciate how much they commit to being generic. You know, the Man Called X was most of the time pretty direct, with a kind of stories-ripped-from-the-headlines sort of feel. Usually, with Dangerous Assignment, they try to obscure things as much as possible, and here we get Country A and Country B. And the stakes are the retrieval of File 72, or the MacGuffin of the Week. I really do feel that the name of the Bureau Steve works for is the Bureau of MacGuffin Retrieval. Now, it should be said that even though I'm noting this difference, that there is a good case to be made for each style of story. In uh, The Man Called X, it makes the story seem somewhat more connected to the real world. Although, this can have a couple of downsides, particularly listening to it 70 years after the fact. Because most of the time, The Man Called X ends on a hopeful note, and that can be a bit of a bummer if you know enough to know that in the real world, things actually got worse, or they're still dealing with the same stuff that they were dealing with 70 years ago. With Dangerous Assignments' typical approach, where things are very, very generic, you can just get along with the fun and escapism without having to be distracted by real-world consequences. Of course, there are times when the setting's a bit too real and things have gone bad, You know, as was the case with the Dangerous Assignment episode set in Vietnam. Also, I like how once it's determined that he and the captain are on the same side, they're not only able to work together, but to kind of have some buddy movie antics at the plane crash site when the captain had just been ready to kill Steve Mitchell. Good job rolling with the punches, I guess. But overall, still, this was another fun adventure from Dangerous Assignment and just what you expect from this series. All right, well, uh, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Barry. Barry has been one of our Patreon supporters since July of 2015, Currently supporting the program at the Master Detective level of $15 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Barry. And that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And please be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you download us from. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of Dangerous Assignment, but listen in tomorrow for Follow Vance where...
6: Well, Vance, there's the body lying just where a farmer found it. Hmm. It obviously had been knifed somewhere else and thrown from a car. Do you
5: know who the victim is, Markham?
6: Sergeant Heath identified him, a larcenous individual named Sniffy Edwards. I don't suppose this is any case that will intrigue you, but you were in my office when the call came. And
5: And I insisted on going with you. I know. Notice anything peculiar about Sniffy,
6: Markham? No. He has a knife wound in his chest, and he's dead, which certainly is normal enough. Look at his shoes. The soles are very thick. Well, yes, I suppose they are. But this isn't a case for you, Vance. It's undoubtedly an underworld murder, and Sergeant Heath will get whoever killed this man.
5: Mind if I look at the soles a minute? Go ahead.
6: Um, Your penknife, Vance, you need that to look with?
5: You never can tell what it will help me see.
6: What you're doing is a little illegal,
5: Vance. Oh, my friend, is there such a thing as a little
6: illegal? (laughs) (laughs) I stand corrected. You find anything?
5: Yes. There was a piece of paper in the sole of the shoe. Take a look. It's a
6: diagram of some kind of machine. An arrow indicates where blank paper is inserted. Another arrow where money comes... Vance, I know what this is. It's the diagram for a money-making machine. Undoubtedly. I got a complaint this morning from a Mrs. Willoughby that she had been swindled by a Joe Crane who sold her a money-making machine. This couldn't be a coincidence.
5: In all probability, it isn't.
6: I had a man trace Joe Crane. He called in his address just before we left. I think perhaps we ought to see Crane. What about it? I'm with you. Let's go call
5: on Joe Crane and see if this plan for a money-making machine was the instigation of his plan to murder Sniffy Edwards.
0: I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, com slash greatdetectives.